you, me, and CRT. It's time we talk about it on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, all my friends and family, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and it is my privilege to come before you each and every week with uh, new and somewhat breaking information about our culture. Um, For those of you who have been listening to my podcast over the past two years, now entering into season number three, um, you know that culture is my word. I I love it. Uh, My website is pushbackculture.org and I encourage you to go there and leave feedback, uh, comments, and questions about what you're hearing today and in prior episodes. Um, But I, 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 I so value our culture and I know that we are responsible for it. And I think that's the underlying message of this podcast. Um, if you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. We are the ones, we are the culture setters as Christian families here on this earth. And so we need to get a picture for that. We need to be passionate about it. Um, you know my passionate passion about it, that I can come each and every week and, and, and lay down these cultural issues before you so that we can begin discussing them and hopefully become um, more like the heart of Christ and more like his culture as we transform the culture of America into the culture of heaven. I believe that it's possible. I believe that's what we're here to do. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about one of those topics uh, that is extremely important to our culture, and I believe that it's extremely sensitive. And so I've really dug in uh, to this topic because I believe that it's misunderstood, and I would say most people are pretty ignorant about uh, the topic in general. But I mentioned that the title of this podcast is You, Me, and CRT. CRT is the Critical Race theory. And you may have heard it bounced around. If you look at headlines, you'll see that there have been protests both ways. Um, But this is about uh, a racial conversation that we're having in our country currently. And I believe if you've also connected with my podcast, that racial conversation is important. I believe that in and of itself is a valuable exercise because we have to be able to converse about these topics. My take on CRT may raise some eyebrows and may surprise you a little bit, but I think it's important. I mentioned that I'm an equal opportunity pushbacker, meaning that if you pull back the layers and you try to to, to sweep away some of the politicizing that happens with these topics and really get down to the core issues. I believe that there is some common ground there that we can actually join together in, in unity in our country to bring real healing. I feel kind of emotional about this topic because I, I feel frustrated for our African-American citizens um, because... A lot of times we talk about race when something tragic happens 
when the George Floyd tragedies happen, then the discussion begins. And it's usually an angry discussion and an uncomfortable discussion. Um, but we have to, and I, I've mentioned this many times, I'm going to continue to bring this topic forward because we have to be sensitive to our fellow Americans. You know my position if you've listened to my podcast, and if you haven't, I encourage you to go back to the previous seasons and connect to uh, episodes entitled such as The Brown Initiative, um, where I'm connecting the fact that uh, we, um, that race itself, um, I believe, is actually a fallacy. I believe that if you look at science and the Human Genome Project, we will find that we are only one race, the human race. You know, the evolutionists thought that there would be four or five different races uh, because Darwin himself, who was an abject racist, uh, was making the case that there are hierarchies of race, that there are more advanced races than others, because that would align with an evolutionary type theory. Um but we have to understand that when the Human Genome Project happened, that they actually discovered that there was just one race, the human race. That should surprise a lot of scientists, should surprise a lot of those that believe in evolution. It should surprise a lot of those that feel that there is a supremacy to race, that there are races at all. And those of us who are Christians shouldn't be surprised at the scientific outcome, which has been the case so often with science, that it lines up perfectly with the Bible, because if you actually believe your Bible, you believe that we are all descendants of Adam and Eve and ultimately Noah and his children. We are one race. And so we have to, I believe, change the mentality and the thought process and the conversation in America, because racism, after all of these hundreds of years, is still rampant. And so there was something that was that was proposed uh, and it was by a lot of, I would say, elite college liberal voices uh, writing something called a critical race theory. And I believe because that was their background, that it was completely dismissed by anybody who would consider themselves to be conservative or even Republican for that matter. And I believe if I can just start with that premise that that's a mistake. I believe that we need to talk less and listen more. <laughs> I think that's always just a good value. In fact, the Bible says silence is golden. And, and it's the fool who basically rambles at the mouth. And we need to listen to what people are saying about our country and about our history. You know, there are statistics that I can quote here that show that nearly 80% of Americans have not heard of the term critical race theory or unsure whether they have. And of those that have heard the term, I think it would be really hard for any of them or us to actually define what it is. In fact, when I began to dig into this and I saw headlines of protesters, of parents uh, protesting CRT being taught in the school, I was like, well, what is it? And the more I dug into it, the more I found that it wasn't super easy to find a real good definition. I believe this is a very sensitive topic that needs to be taken um, through carefully so that we can really peel back the layers of the onion and find out what the core issues are that's so important to me, so important to this podcast. So I believe that this topic is going to be more than just one podcast, but my heart for this podcast is to 
talk about really what it is. What is what's the definition? Why was it written in the first place? So let me start by just giving you a little bit of history of how this all started and how this maybe began and the impetus of writing CRT. The history, and I'm uh, reading from the conversation written on June 30th, 2021, so not that long ago, entitled Critical Race Theory, What Is It and What It Isn't? I think that's important as well. So the history goes, um, and I'm reading from this, after 304 years of enslavement. Can we just rest on that for a second? We sometimes look at slavery as sort of this blip in history. My friends, it was 304 years of enslavement. Then former slaves gained equal protection under the law with the passage of the 14th Amendment in 1868. So in 1868, there had already been 304 years of enslavement. The 15th Amendment in 1870 guaranteed voting rights for men regardless of race or previous condition of servitude. Between 1866 and 1877, the period historians call radical reconstruction, African Americans began businesses, became involved in local government and law enforcement, and were elected to Congress. The early progress was subsequently diminished by state laws through the American South called Black Codes, which limited voting rights, property rights, and compensation for work. This is subsequently now to the laws. And they made it illegal to be unemployed or to not have documented proof of employment and could subject prisoners to work without pay on behalf of the state. These legal rollbacks were worsened by the spread of Jim Crow laws throughout the country requiring segregation in almost every aspect of life. My friends, this goes back to really what we're talking about with critical race theory. Like, what is it anyway? But even before I get to that definition, we have to understand that even after these uh, amendments uh, to the Constitution, there is really a hundred years before Martin Luther King and the sort of next wave of civil rights uh, that had taken place. It's a long time, my friends, to be continually feeling uh, like you are misrepresented and not equal and not protected under the law. There was Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954, which found that school segregation to be unconstitutional. Fair Housing Act in 1968, which prohibited discrimination in housing, was productive, and yet there was still uh, problems, and, 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 and the gap between black and whites was not being closed. And so ultimately what was written was the critical race theory. Critical race theory is a field of intellectual inquiry that demonstrates the legal codification of racism in America. Now, I'm not a great legal or civics mind, and so I don't know what codification means, so I looked it up. It's a process of, arraying, of arranging laws or rules according to a system. So they're basically saying that racism isn't more than just individuals being prejudiced, but that it's actually baked into the cake, that there's something there that has, in our laws, in the ways that we 
They rule and govern our land that actually is unequal. And there's a, an arranging of laws or rules according to a system of racism in America. Now, I'm just laying out what they said. Now, I think there's consequences to that mindset. And, and probably in the next podcast, we're going to dive a whole lot deeper into the consequence of these actions. But I do want to relay to you what the critical race theory is and what is the, the beliefs commonly held by most of those who are critical race theorists. Because that's only fair. We can't push it through our lens or our interpretation always. Now, I, I'm going to make some editorial comments about these eventually, but, but we need to hear their original heart and why they wrote it in the first place. So they laid out five basic areas that most um, critical race theorists would agree. Number one. First, race is not fundamentally or essentially a matter of biology, but rather a social construct. Now, I think this is incredibly interesting because I just got done saying that I also believe that race is not fundamentally or essentially a matter of biology. The Human Genome Project has proven it. And so that's very interesting that that is part of their premise, that this is a social or cultural construct. Well, if that's true, then I believe with all of my heart that culturally we can shift things. Because this isn't just a matter of science or biology, like this is just the way it is. I believe that racism probably needs to get blown up completely and the whole concept of race in its entirety. They say, while physical features and geographic origin play a part in making up what we think of as race, societies will often make up the rest of what we think of as race. <laughs> I think that's absolutely true. For instance, in the 19th and earliest 20th century, scientists and politicians frequently describe people of color as intellectually or morally inferior and use those false descriptions to justify oppression and discrimination. Well, I would say baked into the cake is evolution, which says the same thing, by the way. But also, I believe that this is absolutely true as well, that we have to be able to realize that there is actually a history of, of thought that actually has not only gone into the way that we treat people, but in the way that we actually set our rules and our laws. Number two, second, these racial views have been codified into the nation's foundational documents and legal system. We'll go deeper into that and give some examples where that could be true. Number three, third, given that the pervasiveness of racism in our legal system and institutions, racism is not aberrant, but a normal part of life. Now that's harder hitting. Fourth, multiple elements such as race and gender can lead to kinds of compounded discrimination that lack the civil rights protections given to individuals or protected categories. And five, finally, critical race theorists are interested not in just studying the law and systems of racism, but in changing them for the better. Well, I can connect to that. I, I believe that that is my heart as well is let's look at this, let's look at history, and let's change it for the better. I believe that's possible. So the problem is, is that because this has been, has been so politicized, politicized, 
that I believe there's been some misinterpretation of what critical race theory is, or at least intended to be. Now, I know that there are going to be on both sides radicals that take the information and push it to an extreme or to an envelope, and we are going to try to break those down together because I think it's important that we understand this. But there is <clears throat> legislation in Oklahoma and Tennessee that propose the banning of teaching of these concepts of of critical race theory, and they have actually laid down um, what they are banning. And those that have written the critical race theory says this does not assert their position at all. So let me give their uh, five, six points that they are banning. Number one, one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. Two, an individual by virtue of the individual's race or sex is inherently privileged racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or subconsciously. An individual should be discriminated against uh, or receive adverse treatment because of the individual's race or sex. An individual's moral character is determined by the individual's race or sex. Number five, an individual by virtue of the individual's race or sex bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. Number six, an individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or another form of psychological distress solely because of the individual's race or sex. See, I believe that this is a reaction to the conclusions that are sometimes made from the critical race theory. But I told you really the heart and the foundation of the critical race theory is to bring discussion and revelation to our, our systems and the way that we actually look at our fellow Americans and the history thereof. So I believe that to lay down this definition, these six points that I just gave, and call it critical race theory, and then say that we want to ban it, I believe is actually unfair. It's unfair. I believe it's actually kind of fake news, if I can be so bold. Now, I know there are some that probably take it to this extreme, and, and those are those that want to ban that extremism, and I think that's reasonable, and we can talk more about that. But I don't believe that we should blow, throw the baby out with the bathwater in the fact that there are those that actually want to have a real discussion to bring real healing about this topic. And I believe that we can engage on that level. Now, we have a bigger issue, and the bigger issue is what do we teach in our schools? And I know that's what people are protesting. But I don't believe, I was just talking to my family about this, I don't believe that any of us feel at the trail of tears where we systematically marched the Native Americans out of the East Coast area and into their own land that we designated for them was a just, loving, brotherly thing to do to fellow Americans. I don't think anybody believes that. And yet I grew up reading about that in textbooks. So there is history that needs to be told. A lot of this came to light when we hear stories about the treatment over the 300 plus years of enslavement and then the 100 plus years following this enslavement of the way that we treated our fellow Americans with dark brown skin. This came to light when President Biden spoke at, in Tulsa at the 100 year anniversary of the Tulsa, Oklahoma massacres in a place known as Black Wall Street. 
where black people uh, lived and were, were business owners, doctors, lawyers, and they were building and accumulating wealth at a time that was unheard of in much of America. In June 1st of 1921, white rioters ransacked and set ablaze a wealthy black neighborhood in northern Tulsa. The massacre, was, was, which left hundreds of black people dead and roughly 10,000 homeless in its immediate aftermath, has haunted families for generations, not only by stunting their family trees, but also stripping them of future opportunities that such a solid foundation would have brought. President Biden said, I call on American people to reflect on the deep roots of racial terror in our nation and recommit to the work of rooting out systemic racism across our country. Now, this is the red flag. This is the rub. This is the place where we hear the president say this and, and understand that, that none of us are denying the racial terror that took place in Tulsa. But when he says systemic racism, we all bristle and we say, wait a minute. That's not who we are. We, we see this as, as, an, as a, a horrible part of our history. And yet we can fast forward to more recent times. The landmark case of Brown versus the Board of Education, for example, in which the Supreme Court ruled in 1954 that separate is not equal. <coughs> and that state laws protecting segregated public schools are unconstitutional. While the ruling gave black children the right to attend schools that have long prohibited them, it also resulted in some white families enrolling their children in private schools, moving to the suburbs, and redrawing school district boundaries in effect to resist integration. Even now, fast forward to the current time, more than half a century after Brown versus Board decision, efforts are still underway by some wealthy and majority white communities to create their own school districts. And listen to this, there exists a $23 billion gap between majority white and majority black school districts, out of which spills an array of inequalities. My friends, we can try to close our eyes, bury our head in the sand, and say that these um, uh, inequalities do not exist. But I do believe it's part of our history, and I do believe that it's happening now, and I do believe that we need to have a discussion now, how to fix it and how to move forward is complicated, and that's why this topic is sensitive. But this idea that we shake our fist and say we reject any idea of systemic racism in our country, I believe, is, is, is wrong and unfair to our fellow Americans. If we want to end racism and, in my opinion, abolish race in its entirety with the idea that we are all Americans— if that's the case, then we need to evaluate ourselves as Americans. I believe this conversation needs to take place. And I believe that to simply shut it down and reject it because of those who are writing it or, or those who have taken it to an extreme to want to indoctrinate our children into some sort of conclusion, I believe is misguided. Do I believe that our textbooks need to be simply negative, um, uh, reciting all of the wrong and bad that we did in our history? No, but I do not believe that it should be absent. I believe it should be present because we learn from our history. And I, as one, I, am, I as an ambassador of heaven, want to be on the front line of healing and restoration to our country. And it involves self-inspection, whether we like it or not. 
Now, does that mean that I need to be comfortable being labeled as a racist? No, I believe that's where it's taken to an extreme. And I believe that's where it's gone out of bounds. But I believe that as an American and even one who has lighter brown skin, I think we need to examine our laws, our rules, the way that we govern, the way that we treat one another. I believe that doubling down on racist propaganda, racist conversations, doubling down on us versus them, I believe is the wrong choice. And I believe that those many of those who are following the critical race theory are actually going about it the wrong way. And I want to talk much more about that. I believe both sides are waving the flag of patriotism, and I don't think both of them can be true. I believe that we can actually find a middle ground where we see each other as Americans, and we actually bring real hope and healing, not only to us, but those that don't always look like us or act like us. We're opening our hearts to those who have been hurt for hundreds of years. And this conversation needs to take place. My heart goes out to the African-American community because I believe that it's so hard for them to actually make and state their case without an angry response and shaking our fists and not listening. We need to listen. Can we do it? I think we can do it. I want to pull back this even more. I'm going to dig into this even deeper because there is a lot here for us. And what I wanted to conclude in you, me, and CRT is that it involves you and me and even those who believe in CRT. I believe we all come to the table. I believe I want to. I wanted to just create an introduction so that it's not rejected outright. Now, there are those that have extreme thoughts about this topic on both sides, and I want to bring those to the table as well because I don't believe this is always handled perfectly. But I refuse to simply jump into a, a political bandwagon and just follow a mantra that might not be representing the hearts of the people that wrote the mantra in the first place. Is that possible? I think it is. So I believe that we can be an answer. Can we go through this together? I'm going to I'm going to do the heavy lifting, but I'm going to find out what's true and find out um, the true parts of history. I don't believe that we need to cancel American history, but I believe that we can talk about Tulsa and we can talk about George Washington. I believe that we can talk about segregation in our schools, and we can also talk about the Civil War and glorious victories and defeats that took place. I believe it can be a both and, and it needs to be, because that's a sign of a healthy culture, and that is my heart. So thank you for hearing me out, and let's go together now to set and shape the culture. <laughs>